the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome, folks, once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. We always look forward to our visits with you. Uh, Alan Dempsey does the engineering each weekend for us and does it well. Uh, Andrew Herdliski is our producer. Uh, Dr. David Ireland joins me in this first half hour, the founder and the lead pastor of Christ Church in New Jersey, Northern Jersey. His new book is out. It's called The Weapon of Prayer, Maximize Your Greatest Strategy Against the Enemy. David, it's wonderful to catch up with you again, and I hope things are well with you. Uh, My pleasure, Pat. Things are going well, and so thank God for that. Tell me about your new book. Well, I, I was passionate about the idea of prayer, but coming from a perspective that I think that oftentimes is overlooked, and that is prayer is indeed not just a way we commune with God for deeper intimacy, but it's a way that God has gifted us that we can fight against the powers of hell. And Jesus used that weapon on many occasions in terms of the weapon of prayer, and I think it sounds like an oxymoron, but the word weapon means anything used to overpower outwit or overcome an opponent and jesus exercised it a number of times when uh, in prayer and so he, he's telling us in essence then that prayer is a weapon that we must use nine key chapters here david let's get started chapter one you tell us with an exclamation point you must fight uh, neutrality is a spiritual crime what it means to be vigilant do you have spiritual hiv oh boy <laughs> Enlist in the fight. I'm, I'm eager to hear all of your uh, insights here. Well, I think that the idea of neutrality is when people are disconnected from the spiritual warfare that we're in. The Bible is plain on this, you know, Pat, that uh, Paul tells the Corinthian church, for example, in Second Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So in essence, Paul is saying, look, we're in this war, it's an ongoing battle, and you have to be engaged in the battle. And so it is a sin, according to what Samuel explains to us in his book, that it says, far be it, far be it from me to not pray for you. Or far, far be it for me to sin against God by not praying for you. And so he's telling us then that prayerlessness is sin. And I'm not trying to harp on it, but the idea is that we must see that if we take a posture of neutrality, I call it spiritual HIV, or high indifference virus, if we look at it that way, then I say that there are symptoms to that, and there are four symptoms I point out in my book, is one is disinterest in the fight. We know that there's a fight, but we can really care less. Another is disbelief in the fight, and some hold to that posture. Well, there is no fight really going on. I don't believe it. And a third symptom of this spiritual HIV is discouraged by the fight. 
I'm in this warfare, I know I'm in a battle, I know I'm fighting, but I don't feel victorious, and so as a consequence, I'm discouraged by the fight. And the fourth symptom of spiritual HIV is disdain for the fight. Why do I have to fight? I don't like fighting. I think fighting is not of God. And some people have that rationalization. But yet, if we choose that posture, we're violating one of the key principles of biblical Christianity. And that is that we have been called to this, to this battle and of the spiritual warfare. And we're called to outwit our enemy, Satan, that is. We're called to overpower our enemy. And we're called to overcome him. And so we must be able to get back to biblical Christianity and realize that God is a general. And when we look at God that way, in fact, I'll, I'll spend some more time unpacking that whole theme because most times we overlook that aspect. So it, it pushes us down this path where we don't want to fight. My guest is uh, David Ireland. Dr. Ireland has written a new book. It's called The Weapon of Prayer, Maximize Your Greatest Strategy Against the Enemy. Second topic, David, to get into one powerful weapon. Uh, you're going to tell us about Satan's planned attack and Jesus' planned counterattack and what kind of weapon is prayer and the power of prayer. Uh, fill us in. Well, in Luke 22, the whole premise of the book is built around this particular passage. In Luke 22, Jesus had a very pointed conversation with Simon Peter. In fact, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. So the notion of sifting as wheat, you know, just for the listeners to understand, the premise is that wheat was placed on this sieve and it was shaken up so the kernels would fall through the holes and be captured. What Satan was trying to do is to shake up Peter's life so that the essence of who he was would fall to the wayside and will no longer be used. So his faith was being shaken up, his leadership role, his person, his relationship with God, everything that was essential to that made up Simon Peter, the man who he was and was to be, was being tested and shaken. So he was being attacked in essence. And Jesus' counterattack to Satan's attack was, I have prayed for you, Simon. Therein we see that Jesus is using prayer as a weapon to thwart the enemy of God. And so, if I take a step back, you know, Pat, for the listeners to really understand the concept, imagine, imagine it this way. If we look at God through the metaphors that the Bible paints, we'll have an understanding of God, we'll have an understanding of ourselves, and we'll have an understanding of the relationship that God wants us to have with Him. For example, the Bible tells us that the Lord's a shepherd. So if God is a shepherd we're sheep. And so as a shepherd, he tends, he cares for his flock. That means we're being tended to and we're being cared for by God. It helps us understand how to relate to God. Elsewhere, the Bible tells us that God is a father. You know, Jesus tells us in John 15, he says, you know, my father is a gardener. Two metaphors he points out there. As a father, God has children. As a father, he parents his children. As a child of God, I allow God to parent me. So that metaphor gives me a relationship. Again, God's a gardener. We are his garden. The gardener has the right to put plants in his garden wherever he wants to plant them because the garden's goal is to bring delight to the gardener. So it helps me relate to God. But we overlook the fact that God is a general. Joshua 5 tells us that God is the commander of the army. So when I look at God through the lens that he's a general, it helps me understand that he has soldiers. And if he has soldiers, and Paul makes that plain in a number of passages, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, he tells Timothy. But as a soldier, 
I must then relate to God as a general. Therefore, it helps me to realize that God is engaged in the battle. So are we. That when we pray, we can pray tactically. We must pray in a decisive way. We must pray to take territory. That's where I understand and unpack the whole concept of this weapon of prayer. So I wanted to just bring that perspective to the listeners so they can really get this often overlooked perspective that God is a general. And I'm not suggesting he's not any of those other things, but when we don't include this metaphorical perspective of God, we limit who God is to us, and we limit how we pray, and we limit the benefits of prayer because we have to maximize this greatest gift that God's given us against the enemy. David, <clears throat> David Ireland, the author of The Weapon of Prayer. Uh, in Chapter 3, David, you uh, headline it with God, Our God is a General. and uh, But then you get into our comfortable names for God and broaden your perspective, the awe of God. And, and then this question, cruise ship or battleship? <laughs> fill, fill us in on that. Well, you know, Christianity, I always say to people that we have to really recognize what the what the perspective is we have of Christianity. Is it a cruise ship or a battleship? Now, the mentality of a person who espouses Christianity as a cruise ship is that they think we're on vacation. The battleship mentality is we're at war. The cruise ship mentality says it's all about me, because if you've been on a cruise, I'm sure you have. I've been on a number of them. It's relaxing. It's food. The crew's there to pamper you, and so it's all about me. Battleship mentality, it's all about God cruise ship mentality, I'm here to relax. Battleship mentality, I'm here to fight. Cruise ship mentality, the crew's here to serve me. Battleship mentality, I am the crew. Cruise ship mentality is that I can freely complain when I don't feel like I'm being served frequently and fast enough by the crew. Battleship mentality, I freely praise because I was chosen to serve in the king's, on the king's battleship. A couple more contrasting views so that the listener understands the idea of what it really means to have a battleship mentality is that on the cruise ship, prayer is seen as a bother, a pest. On the battleship, prayer is seen as a necessity, a must. On the cruise ship, the next stop will bring me more fun. On the battleship, the next stop brings more deliverance. David, hold your thoughts, because sure. we got to take a break. I want to hear more of this. Okay. David Ireland is our guest. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, we do this show every weekend. Always delighted when you join us. Dr. David Ireland, we've got more with him right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m can't catch the whole broadcast visit our podcast on the web 24 7 on wtln.com so tune in you won't want to miss it you want to feel connected informed included inspired so when important things happen we're here your local radio and tv broadcasters america's number one source for news weather and information on your radio tv computer tablet and smartphone 
We are broadcasters, always here for you, wherever here may be. Tell Washington local stations matter by texting radio to 52886. Furnished by NAB in this station, message and data rates may apply. Just make it all stop for a few minutes. Help me, God. Three deadlines, four meetings. Uh, Looks like another late night at the office. Help me, God. I keep coming to these to forget my loneliness. So why do I still feel so alone? Help me, God. Help me, God. We all have moments where we feel we've reached the end of our rope. Discover freedom from anxiety, stress, and fear when you spend time in God's Word. Crosswalk.com is here to help you start living a life filled with joy and peace. Choose to read the Bible and talk to God each day. Receive free daily devotionals from well-known pastors and authors, including Max Lucado, John Piper, Charles Stanley, James McDonald, and more. Find the inspiration and encouragement you need for each day sent right to your inbox. Sign up at Crosswalk.com. That's Crosswalk.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Dr. David Ireland is with us from uh, North Jersey. Uh, His book is called The Weapon of Prayer. And uh, David, I want you to finish uh, that discussion about cruise ship or battleship regarding prayer. Yeah, thank you, Pat. I I think that most of the listeners... uh, may not have used this language, but I uh, use it because I think it's really apropos to the whole idea that if the perspective that we have of Christianity is a cruise ship, then we just hang out and we really don't engage in the spiritual war that's going on. But we must then be able to espouse, I say, a battleship mentality. So I've contrasted the two, and I say, on a cruise ship, the next stop will bring me more fun. The battleship mentality is the next stop will bring more deliverance. On a cruise ship, it sails towards the sun, S-U-N. Battleship sails for the sun, S-O-N, that is Christ. Mm. And the cruise ship docks during wartime. The battleship, however, sails during wartime. On a cruise ship, God is seen as the jovial entertainment director. But, ever, but however, the perspective of those on the battleship is that God is seen as the fearless general. And so I ask people the question, which one best fits your perspective of Christianity. And if you espouse the cruise ship mentality, then the impact of your relationship with God will not be evident. And I'll say to you, don't even buy my book, because my book's going to be, it's going to make you dangerous, in terms of dangerous against the powers of darkness. But if you say, look, I want to be someone that can be used by God, and I want to be effective in the courtroom of heaven, that's the place where transactions occur, that's where prayer is released, and so when, and where prayer goes to. And so if you want to be powerful on your knees, then the mentality of being on the battleship is perfect for you. So what I do is help to shape that mentality, get you excited about prayer, and, you know, take away any type of guilt, and give you a perspective through the book that says, let's be about our Father's business. And if you come before the King, big big petitions you bring. And that's the intent of, of, of the book. And so I teach people how to really be able to engage both offensively and defensively by, in prayer and, uh, and, and be able to be victorious on their knees. Next topic, David. Uh, lift up a war cry. Prayer is a war cry, you tell us. And then you challenge us. What is your war cry? And will you help sound a shift? 
Yeah, a war crisis is a distressing plea. It's, it's a military term. It's saying, look, there's a war. Let's not be slothful. Let's be engaged. Let's really be like uh, the Navy SEALs, so to speak, and let's be kneeling warriors. And so I use uh, biblical imagery as well as background from Scripture that shows the importance of those expressions of war cry and what that means when you set a time of prayer, set a place of prayer, set an agenda of prayer, and then go to it. You know, let's use the weapon of prayer so you can be able to come through difficulties that you may be facing, whether it may be a marital issue or maybe a parental challenge, maybe a career shift that is just a bit uh, confusing and heart-wrenching. Let's use prayer to guide you through it. And I'm not using it as some kind of magical potion, so to speak, but what I am saying is that if the reader understands how to pray, like what Jesus did. He prayed that, uh, you know, I referenced Luke 22, he said, I prayed for you, Satan, that your faith, or rather, I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith doesn't fail. And so, in prayer, Jesus brought the problem there. In prayer, he pursued, you know, his enemy there. In prayer, he gathered information and insight from God to know how to pray tactically for Peter. And so he said, I prayed for your faith, Peter, that it doesn't fail. So he knew how to be able to be strategic. And that's what I'm encouraging readers through this book, that they must know how to bring their problems and struggles and difficulties and ambiguity there in prayer, and don't fight you know, in open fields like worldly carnal people because and use the same methodology. That doesn't work. And so we must be able to use this powerful weapon that God's given us, the weapon of prayer. Dr. David Ireland is with us, the weapon of prayer. Now, David, uh, here's the fifth topic I want you to help us with. Uh, be strategic in your prayer, the threefold strategy of prayer, the emotional side of prayer, then the rational side of prayer, and then you tell us to apply strategy to your prayers. Uh, t- tell us about that. Well, I draw from what Jesus is telling us. He says, ask and you'll receive seek and you'll find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. And that language comes at the heels of the parable of the friend at midnight. And so there is an emotional side. The emotional side is that if it, if your problem doesn't bother you enough to get you on your knees, then this is not really a problem. But when the problem drives you to prayer, that's the emotional side, and use it as as a fulcrum, so to speak. Don't let it just get you discouraged and depressed, but rather let it turn you towards God. Paul says, and the modern translation says, my pain turned me to God. And so my pain must be able to turn me to God in prayer. And the threefold aspect, you know, Pat, is when I'm able to ask, I'm able to seek, and I'm able to knock. And I unpack that even further as to what that really means when Jesus says it, because there's resistance going on. He's saying, ask and you'll, and you'll receive. Seek, then you'll find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. It suggests then that there's a measure of resistance taking place so that one has to move from one level of prayer, the asking phase, to the seeking phase, to the knocking phase, based on what may not be occurring when you pray. So that means if God's not answering your prayer right away, then it may require you to go into the seeking phase. And that seeking phase may include fasting, it may include other elements where you say, okay, I need to really become very serious and very focused because there are things hindering the response of God. And it's not that God is you know, not powerful, but that this situation is going to 
at the end of the day, it's going to bring me closer to the Lord, and so God's going to use this crisis to deepen my intimacy, but also make me more powerful as a spiritual soldier, as what I call a kneeling warrior. And so uh, I unpack it even in a deeper way, but in a practical, illustrative way. I have tons of stories in the book that really engage people and say, hey, let me show you what God's done when others have prayed. And, you know, these are factual stories that, uh, you know, that it's not made up, but these are stories that say, these are the spoils of war. And uh, I encourage readers to recognize that God does indeed want to answer prayer. He responds to prayer. He's the one who established prayer. And so God gets no glory out of unanswered prayer. He gets glory out of answered prayers. And so I encourage people to lift up a war cry. Now I want you to talk about prayer as defense. God is looking for defenders, you tell us. And then you get into Epaphras, the defender, and you talk about how he prayed. So that's the sixth topic, David. Yeah, and, uh, and Pat, what that is, is saying is this. When we think of prayer as a weapon, you have to have defensive weapons and offensive weapons. This weapon of prayer has the dual effect. It can be used defensively, that is to protect, to guard, and it can be used offensively. And so in a defensive way, I must then put a prayer shield around my family, around my children. I must pray for my spouse. I must pray for my career or my church, my ministry, my business, my vocation. So I'm asking God for wisdom to help me protect and to guard the precious things that he's given me. And so I use Epaphras out of Colossians 4 because he prayed in a defensive way for those that he was responsible for spiritually, people at Hierapolis and, and, uh, and Colossae, he prayed that, that they may become entrenched and fully assured in all the will of God. That's a defensive prayer. In other words, the people won't, won't be flaky. They won't, become, they won't vacillate. They won't become wishy-washy about what they're supposed to do. In fact, I know of so many people, and I'm sure you do as well, Pat, that some people, after years of marriage, they come to this conclusion. I don't know how they got there, but they come to this conclusion that says, I don't know if, I, if the one I've been married to the past, for the past 20 years is the one for me. And I'm saying, that speaks of someone who's somehow gotten to a place of instability in their relationship. And so, what's going to take, what, is it, what will it take to reverse that? And I say, they have to use a defensive posture in prayer so that they can guard what has been given to them and entrust to them in terms of their marriage or in their relationship with their children, whatever it may be that they may need to defend. And so that's the defensive side of prayer. Now the next topic is prayer as offense. What is offensive prayer and why are offensive prayers needed, David? No team, and you, you know this better than me, with your affiliation with the NBA, no team is going to win if they're just good on defense. At some point, they have to be, go on the offense. They have to shoot, throw the ball and shoot, shoot the ball and get it into the net. They have to score points. Same way with prayer. You can't win the battle that we're in, the spiritual war, if you're always defending and guarding, but never going into the camp of the enemy and getting your stuff back that he may have stolen, or going into the camp of the enemy and taking some of his stuff. I, I remember this uh, comical story. I was preaching in, in Australia, and after the sermon, uh, a guy came up to me and said, I need to tell you this story about my sister who lives in England. And she has a flat, an apartment, and she came home one evening. To her shock, there was a thief coming down from the upstairs bedroom with a bag over his shoulder of her stuff in it. And so she runs to the kitchen. This woman was fearless. She runs to the kitchen and grabs a butcher knife. 
And the thief had no weapon. She chased the thief, and the thief got scared. He dropped the bag of her belongings because she said, drop my stuff. And he dropped it. Then she said to the thief, while he's pinned up against a wall, she says, empty out your pockets. The thief says, that's my stuff. And the lady said, that's right, I'm stealing your stuff. <laughs> and so she, so, so she goes on the offense in regards to this. And I'm saying yeah. to listeners, let's take our prayers on the offense now, and let's go after Satan's stuff in terms of lost people, pray them into the kingdom, opportunities, benefits. You know, Dr. Billy Graham says that heaven is filled with so many answers to prayers that have never been asked. And that's offense, the essence of offensive prayer. Ask the prayers, because heaven has the resources. Topic number eight, David. David Ireland is with us. What's your rank, soldier? If we're using that metaphor again of God the general, and he has soldiers, and like Paul tells us in Second Timothy 2, verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So if I think about that passage of Scripture, then I want to be able to grow as a rank in the army of God. I don't want to stay as a private. I need to be able to, if I'm a career soldier, and that's what it means to be a Christian, I'm a career soldier, I must then be able to advance in my career. I love what the American general, Bruce Clark, says. He says, rank is only given you in the army to enable you to better serve those below you, and those above you. Rank is not given for you to exercise your idiosyncrasies. And so General Clark is saying, look, you need to grow in your rank because when you grow in rank, you're able to serve those above you better, and you're able to serve those below you better. So I challenge the reader to say, Let's, the only way you're going to grow in rank is answers to prayer. If you're going to be effective as a warrior in the kingdom of God, you're effective as a kneeling warrior. Advance God's kingdom, and God advances you in his army, not for your purpose or to bring attention to yourself, but that you may be able to serve on a greater level so that those above you, those below you, will feel the power of your life of prayer, so to speak. David, one more thing I want you to talk about, and that is... The mountain of the Lord. Let's go to the mountain, you tell us. Go to meet with God. Go to find relief. Go to receive your rewards. Uh, Fill us in on that one. Well, throughout the Bible, the imagery of mountain is always a place of intimacy and a place of deepened relationship with God. You always find Jesus... having times of communion with God, either on the mountainside or in or by the water. And uh, I recall an experience I had when I was in Kenya. I was doing a series of meetings there, and uh, I love jogging, and I saw that also in your bio, Pat. And so I, I love jogging, and, uh, and so here I'm out going for a run. I think I may have been running five or ten miles that morning just to get a morning run in. And all these Kenyans were looking at me strange. I'm thinking, this is Kenya. This is the world of the marathoners. Why are they looking at me odd? And so I finally braved it after you know, several visits to Kenya, having those same types of, of glaring looks like, what is this guy doing? And I finally braved and asked someone, why are people looking at me with this strange look? And they said this, which I'll never forget. They said, the guy said to me, because we know you're not an athlete. So what do you mean I'm not an athlete? My form is not crazy. I'm not running in a weird way. He said, athletes train in the mountains. And so I was you know, in a place called Nakuru, one of the northern villages uh, in Kenya, north of Nairobi, its capital. But the elevation where the 
marathon runners train were about 8,000 feet above sea level in the Mount Kenya. And so then I understood that if you really want to be professional and powerful and effective, you've got to go to the mountain. And so I draw that imagery of going to the mountain of the Lord and saying, if you really want to be powerful on bended knees, choose and set some time aside with God. David Ireland has been our guest, <clears throat> talking about his book, The Weapon of Prayer. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at GraceImpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are you providing care for a senior whose needs are becoming more time-consuming and challenging? Are you concerned about your loved one's safety when they're alone? This is Janet Mefford for Senior Helpers. Do you sometimes feel you need a helper to get you through the day? Where do you turn? The answer is Senior Helpers, right here in Orlando. Maybe it's normal aging and the challenges of shopping, preparing meals, and keeping things tidy. Or maybe the issue is Alzheimer's. Well, Senior Helpers can develop a plan for improving your loved one's quality of life, getting just the right amount of help they need to remain independent at home. It's like having the services of an assisted living facility at home only better. Plus, Senior Helpers has a unique and exceptional approach to working with those experiencing Alzheimer's or another form of memory loss. Care is customized to include activities appropriate for each individual, all under the supervision of a Senior Helpers specialized nurse. To learn more, call 407-628-4357 or go to SeniorHelpers.com slash Orlando. 407-628-4357. Call Senior Helpers today. License number 299993 Throughout the history of Christianity, there have always been unsung heroes of the faith, humble saints of God who quietly do what God has called them to do. God has used them to accomplish great things for His glory. On Through the Bible this week, Dr. McGee is teaching from 3 John, where we can learn the testimonies of some of these otherwise unknown heroes of the faith. Weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Our our guest in the first half hour, David Ireland, who is uh, the author of The Weapon of Prayer. He pastors a big church in North Jersey. Uh, Jeff Kemp is with us, a former NFL quarterback, currently vice president at Family Life. Uh, Jeff has penned a book, and it's a good one, folks. It's called Facing the Blitz. Uh, Bethany House is the publisher. Tony Dungy did the foreword. And Jeff is with us. Jeff, I'm uh, very pleased that we can hook up here. Hey, thanks, Pat. It's good to be with you and your listeners. Subtitle, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs. What's the theme of your book, Jeff? Well, the theme of the book is something that applies to everyone. Um, you know, we want our lives to go well. We want things to go smoothly. We're thinking of how we'd like uh, circumstances to unfold, but we get surprised. Um, something negative happens, a, a doctor's diagnosis, um, a kid flunks out of college, um, a marriage breaks up, 
a child is born with a deformity, we lose our job, our investments go down. There's just a lot of stuff in football. It's you know getting cut or getting traded or seeing your career end. Um, and it's also when you know and the defense throws a bunch of people at the quarterback um, and tries to attack him and knock him down. But there's an opportunity in it, and it's called the blitz. Um, and life throws blitzes at us. And so I just take the parallel uh, metaphor from football that sometimes the greatest plays of the game result from the most dangerous time of the game. And uh, we turn touch, you know, blitzes into touchdowns. The difference is in life that uh, it takes longer for blitzes to turn around, but still the attitude we take toward it, the approach we take toward it, there's a couple key strategies and a couple lenses, you know, through which we can look at life that really help us turn the negatives into positives and actually flourish through our trials. So it's, it's really a, a book of encouragement for people, how to face life's tough stuff, and have your life bless others and not just be a selfish pity party. Strategy number one, take a long-term view, you tell us, Jeff. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, you can look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. A guy gets, uh, first they want to murder him, his brothers do, and then they sell him as a slave. He has to leave his country. And the guy just follows God and serves God, and he does well in every spot he's in. And eventually, many years later, he's the one that ends up rescuing his family. Um, when you get in the middle of a challenge in, in your marriage, think about the long term. What do you want the legacy to be? What do you want your kids and grandkids to enjoy someday? Um, realize that there's value in this commitment, and it's not always easy. Um, so take a long-term view. Remember that there's heaven in st- at stake. There's, there's God's eternal plan. There's his hope. There's the example of Jesus who went to the cross and then rose from the dead. So if you look at things just in the moment, just in the circumstances, you're probably not going to form the attitude that helps you respond well to that blitz and use it as a blessing for others. And then strategy number two, Jeff, be willing to change. Yeah, you know, uh, a quarterback, when he's getting blitzed in the, in the offense, they have to make some quick adaptations, uh, sight adjust, audible. Um, the receivers will change their routes. Running backs will dive in front of linebackers. The quarterback will change his footwork, throw the ball to a different spot. Um, so when we hit life splitses, um, we need to ask a few questions. You know what? Is there an approach to life I've been taking that hasn't worked that well? Am I too self-centered? Do I talk too much? Do I not listen very much? Am I too dominated by my business and my career and my job? Um, have I really not ever learned to apologize and be humble? And if we're willing to make some changes and become a better and different person, more humble, more other-centered, then the blitz can work out to be a very valuable chapter of our life. Um, and we really don't get through the challenging chapters of life unless we do make changes. Uh, and usually those are changes that are good for our character and good for relationships around us. Jeff Kemp is with us, former NFL quarterback. His book is called Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs. Uh, here's strategy number three, Jeff. Reach out to others, you tell us. You know, stop saying, uh, there was a woman named Leslie Maine who went through a brutal blitz. Uh, her son went off to fight in Iraq. He came home. He ended up with PTSD, and it was so severe, he ended up uh, losing his life here at home, not on the battlefield. Um, and she went into a natural uh, depression and discouraging period of a couple of years. But the way she came out of her blitz and actually turned it for good to bless others was fascinating. Um, someone asked her if she would go and chaperone a trip to uh, New Orleans to help some young people serve victims of the Katrina hurricane. 
And when she went to chaperone those kids, and they were serving those who had so many difficulties in their own life, with their homes destroyed and many of their uh, dreams dashed, uh, she came alive again, serving these teenagers as they were serving others. And in her, fo- in her focus on these teens, and, and in their focus on uh, serving others in a challenging spot, she got hope. She saw the long term. She had the horizon brighten up. And she got an idea that when she came home, she'd start a foundation that would work to help other families of military um, soldiers that have PTSD, how to prevent it, how to cope with it, um, how to strengthen those families and protect those soldiers' lives. And she did. She started a new foundation, um, permission to start dreaming, and uh, she's been doing great things ever since. She recovered from her depression, she got through her blitz, and she found a way to bless others, which is the very way she got through her, her blitz. Jeff, the conclusion to your book... You simply say, find your power source. Uh, What are you telling us there? Well, the things I I talked about, a long-term view and a willingness to change and a focus on others, they sound easy for me to say, easy to write down in a book, but um, they're not easy to do. You know, um, we struggle. And unless we're kind of team-oriented in life and unless we're an investor instead of a consumer, going to be really hard but at the end of the day it's not always easy to forgive it's not always easy to apologize first it's not easy to stick with your marriage in the tough chapters uh, or conquer the difficulty of cancer Um, and we need a power source greater than ourselves Um, and that's where i talk about go back to the source go to your creator the one that made you the one who wants a relationship with you the one that this world kind of holds off at arm's distance and thinks is a bossy mean negative god He is a loving, unconditional, amazing God that sacrificed his son out of love for us, and he'd offer his power through the Holy Spirit to guide us so we can handle all things through Christ, um, so we can abide in him and accomplish great things, um, so we can overcome our blitzes. So really, a blitz is an invitation to run back to the Father, and if you didn't have a perfect earthly Father, you do have a perfect heavenly Father, and that's our power source. Your dad, of course, Jack Kemp. Uh, tell me about your father. <clears throat> what he meant to all the Kemp's and uh, to this country as a whole, Jeff. Well, thanks for bringing him up. It was a, a big blitz in our life when we lost him in 2009 to melanoma. But by the same token, he had built a legacy into our lives as a family um, and into this nation. And there's a there's a word that Bill Bennett, who was in the cabinet with President Bush and my dad, mm-hmm. coined to describe dad. He said, the word is lift. Wherever Jack Kemp went, whatever he did, whatever the issue, to whatever the group of people he spoke, he brought lift. And lift is that idea that you're adding value to someone. You're giving them optimism. You're giving them a sunnier disposition. You're painting a picture and a vision of how their life uh, can improve and how they can be all that God meant them to be. And Dad was the ultimate encourager, Pat. One time uh, he called me on the phone after a game. I think this was early in my pro football career, and he said, Jeff, you look great today. I said, Dad, I didn't even get in the game, and I was all frustrated and mad. He said, I know, I saw you warming up. You're really throwing the ball well. Uh, he would find whatever he could to encourage. Mm. He wrote us wonderful notes, JFK grams, we called them. Those were his initials. Um, he'd leave them on our spot at the table or a seat in the car or send it uh, to uh, us at college or wherever we were. And maybe quote a Bible verse, tell us he loved us, remind us that we're a camp, we should be a leader, um, that we're in our right place, God has a plan for us. Um, and that same optimism and encouragement that he brought in our family, he brought to the barrios and ghettos, inner cities, 
uh, suburbs, factories, um, entrepreneurs of America, that there's a spark of divinity in all of us, and we are meant to use our talents and uh, build a business, build a life, be a teacher, be a coach, uh, employ some people, um, have a responsible life, give the best you know, future to your family, um, and free enterprise and opportunity with a pathway to do that. But it was really about relationships and, and people. Mm. So he was a great, great encouragement. Uh, not a perfect man, but he did a lot of wonderful things with that. Jeff, <clears throat> what is Family Life that you're a part of? What What is that organization? Family Life um, is really the largest uh, marriage conference provider um, in the nation. We have about 60,000 people a year who go to Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways. They're fun. They're um, for the couple. You don't have to talk to any other couples. You're not put on the spot. It's like going on a retreat with your spouse. Um, there'll be couples who give you the speaking. There'll be some video and a lot of exercises. Uh, that help people either build a great marriage, revive a great marriage, or strengthen a marriage. Uh, a lot of people send their uh, engaged young couples uh, as a gift. They'll, they'll send them to that uh, weekend to remember. So that's a key part of our platform is conferences. The other part is uh, radio. Family Life Today radio show is broadcast across the nation every day. It's online as well at familylife.com. And people just get great parenting and marriage and family, uh, life-shaping uh Jesus-centered uh, messages from family life. And then finally, we create great resources like uh, the Art of Marriage small group study or uh, the marriage conference in a kit that churches can hold called Art of Marriage. And then stepping up is something I spend a lot of time on. I speak to men's groups, and I remind them that our identity is shaped by our Heavenly Father and that there's a purpose to step up into manhood, which is responsibility and using your strength to love and bless others, protect others, and to be a mentor and eventually to be a, a legacy builder, a patriarch. And our, our resource for men called Stepping Up is a part of that. So Family Life is dedicated to building, equipping strong families uh, that change the world one home at a time. Facing the Blitz, that's the name of the book that Jeff Kemp has written. <clears throat> Bethany House is the publisher. What did your, uh, <clears throat> your 11 years in the National Football League mean to you, Jeff, as you look back? Well, it was a great training ground. Um, today I look at it as a, as a platform to use to point people to the blueprints of marriage and manhood and family and ultimately uh, the answer to life, which is Jesus Christ. Um, but while I played, um, I was very competitive. I wanted to be good, but I met an amazing group of Christian guys, and I kind of grew a lot as a follower of Jesus during my pro football time. I didn't have a, any secure job ever. I had to earn my job back every year. I got traded. I got cut. Uh, I even got booed a couple times. And uh, I had some big, great days and, and seasons and some tough ones. But during that time, I learned my identity wasn't as a football player. It was as a soft guy. That my most important role was as a husband to Stacy and a dad to four boys, not even as a quarterback. I learned that if I want to be a good football player, to serve Jesus is a higher standard even than serving the coaches or the fans. So I, I just grew in Christ because of the insecurity of the job and a lot of good Christian friends and mentors. And uh, that really was one of the greatest chapters of my life. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I had great friends, loved the competition, loved the adrenaline, but at the end of the day, um, it's growing in Christ and serving others that matters a lot more than winning football games. Who was the coach uh, on those NFL teams you played on, Jeff, that uh, had the biggest impact on you as a leader? Bill Walsh. 
uh, I only played for him for one year. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's passed away now, but he was a San Francisco 49ers coach, and uh, he had an assistant coach by the name of Mike Holmgren, who won a Super Bowl with the Packers, and Mike was my quarterback coach. Those two coaches were probably the uh, most influential, dynamic, excellent coaches I've ever played for. I had many good coaches, you know, how to inspire, but those were the best teachers. And uh, they made out a vision that you could be so much more than you were at present. And they expected excellence, and they taught you how to be excellent. Uh, they cast a vision for excellence for the whole team, and it was very inspiring. So uh, I got a lot, and there's a lot of lessons from, from Bill Walsh in the book. Um, the book's probably 20% football stories and 80% life stories, um, like the one I told about Leslie or people that had a child born with spina bifida or... Uh, lost their business and, and found a new calling. So uh, football's a big part of the book, but not the dominant part. Uh, did did coaching uh, as a career ever appeal to you? Coaching appealed to me, coaching Little League football. <laughs> <laughs> I coached all four of my sons. Uh, there's no salary and a lot less hassles, and you don't have to be on the road and be gone from your family all the time. Uh, I commend coaches. I love coaches. I have a young son who's about to become a coach. Uh, he'll probably be a high school coach. His goal is to shape the lives of young men um, and win some football games at the same time, um, which is really what I think it's about. Um, but coaching is a demanding profession. College, all the travel and recruiting and professional hours are unbelievable. My guest is Jeff Kemp, former NFL quarterback. We're talking about his book, Facing the Blitz. Uh, we've got another segment with Jeff. Uh, just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are you worried about losing your home to foreclosure? If you've been threatened with foreclosure or receive legal papers from your bank, you have approximately 30 days to respond. If you do not respond, you could lose your home. You have rights. Act now to protect your rights. You can stay in your home. Many times you can even modify your loan. The bottom line is you can get past this, but you must act right now. Call National Foreclosure Defense right now at 800 800- 989-1838 800-989-1838 If you've been served by your bank and you're worried about losing your home to foreclosure, now is the time to fight back and save your home. Time is limited, so call right now. 800-989-1838 800-989-1838 Call the professionals at National Foreclosure Defense right now. 800-989-1838 you have enough drinking water at home or work? 
whatever life throws at you. This is Florida, and you can never have enough good, wholesome drinking water on hand for meetings, family gatherings, even Mother Nature's wrath. Be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water, delivered directly to your home or business. Call now for their Be Prepared delivery special. Individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. No contracts, no fees. Call 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Our guest is uh, Jeff Kemp from Little Rock, Arkansas, his home. Um, Jeff has written a book, Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs. By the way, Jeff, uh, how do people reach out to you? How do they get a hold of you? Well, they can reach me at uh, my website. It's facingtheblitz.com. And there's uh, three one-minute videos each week I put out called Facing Your Blitz. So if people want to subscribe to those or get the free book download for the study guide. And they can also reach Family Life at FamilyLife.com to find out about the marriage conferences and the resources that we have. But uh, you can get the book and the other free resources at FacingTheBlitz.com. Jeff, the college football season is underway, and I noticed on the first weekend, gosh, it seems like six, seven, eight players, many of them key players, out for the year, you know, with a concussion or with a knee operation or the broken leg or this, that, or the other. Uh, of how much concern is is that to those who love football? Well, injuries are always a concern. They're uh, huge for the person that faces them, and uh also difficult for the team. Um, the ones that are uh, life-threatening in, in terms of concussions, I think, have become especially concerning. Um, overall, for the amount of people that play such a uh, intensely physical game, uh, the injuries are not, uh, you know, I think, ridiculously high. You know, there's a ton of players playing college football across this country. And for the most part, it's safe. And I think the NFL and teams are starting to work on some techniques to reduce injuries during practice and improve tackling techniques again. Uh, we're really doing better with concussion protocols, which we need to. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm not concerned. I'm concerned for the players and some of these trends that we keep improving. But I, I think the game of football um, is a crucial part of America, and we just need to work to keep it safe. The, are the helmets productive enough? Is there more that can be done in, in building safety into helmets? I don't know. They've done so much with helmets in the last uh, 20 years. And uh, I remember my, my old helmet didn't necessarily seem much worse than the ones they're using today. The thing I noticed about the helmets of today is even though they have amazing padding and all this new technology in them, they pop off often. Mm. Uh, that's not the cause of concussion. Guys are having concussions when their helmet is on. But I wonder if the looseness of the helmet, basically around the ears and the cheeks, our helmets, you couldn't pry them off. Today they pop off really easily. But uh, I know that they're, they've got technologists and medical people that are analyzing that. They've got a new technique in the front of the helmets where it absorbs some cushion in the shell, not just in the interior padding. Jeff, what goes through your mind at the start of the NFL season? you get pumped up? I get pumped up. I love, uh, you know, it's funny, the preseason, a lot of people are kind of, you know, yawning through and waiting for the, the regular season. I was a backup quarterback most of my life. I spent a lot of years as a third stringer when I was just breaking into the league. So training camp and preseason, that was my season. I was all excited for that because it was when I got to play. Um, 
but I think that uh, the excitement of football and anticipation of what teams are going to be good and uh, who is going to be able to put together a season of kind of team-oriented, self-sacrificing, humble dedication. And that team is going to rise to the top. Who are the teams that can handle all the praise of a winning streak and not think that they're so special that they just need to show up on the field and win the next week? Uh, you know, who, who are the teams where the coach can get the guys to really buy in to a one-for-all, all-for-one uh, team, you know, its first philosophy? And uh, obviously Bill Belichick does that well. Many of us are frustrated with some of the on-the-edge, uh, you know, uh, cheating uh, scandals uh, with the Patriots. The Seahawks are also a team that gets a really good team concept going, and yet they seem to have more smiles and enjoyment along the way. Pete Carroll is one of the leaders I, I most admire in the league. Um, they have kind of a competitive but humble team first. You can be yourself. Um, don't do anything to hurt the team and always get better, always get better. And, and those those values are awesome. Um, if we put those values in our marriage, if we put those values in our fathering, our mothering, um, we would see stronger homes. The problem is we're more of a consumer society, and uh, that selfishness is what hurts our relationships. Jeff, I get asked all the time about Christian ball players in the NBA. And uh, I know that the NFL has been a leader in so many spiritual matters. Uh, what's been your experience as far as faith-based athletes and coaches uh, who are involved with different teams in the NFL? One of the greatest blessings in my life was uh, George Andrews and Jackie Slater and Mike Barber and Jeff Rutledge, the Christian guys that I met on the um, Los Angeles Rams, and then Eugene Robinson and Reggie White and Steve Largent, um, Kelly Stauffer, uh, the guys that I played with um, on the Seahawks and the Eagles. Um, I think pro football pushes some away from God and some toward him. It's a very insecure um, career, and you need to build your security in Christ, and many Christians are serious about that and go to Bible study and grow. Um, and a lot, you get a lot of praise and a lot of accolades, and it's hard to handle that. And a lot of guys will um, say public things to try to humble themselves and give God the credit. Sometimes it's maybe uh, coming from a less than super mature person, and you think it's kind of flippant or something. But uh, ultimately, there are a lot of committed Christians, a lot of growing Christians, a lot of young, exploring about God guys in the league uh, from a lot of backgrounds. Um, and I think that uh, faith in the NFL is very vibrant, very necessary, and brings out the best football players. Some of the very best, hardest-working, selfless leaders in football are the Christian guys. Uh, I'm also intrigued, Jeff, about parlaying a career in professional sports, which can be a very short career, uh, parlaying that into a platform long after your playing days are over. The wiser the athletes who know how to do that, I guess. I guess that's what I'm asking you. Yeah. Um, these days, most of the players are making an awful lot of money, and the agents are helping them create a personal brand while they're playing. And that works somewhat to the detriment of teamwork, um, but it is also setting them up for a career, but that career may be somewhat self-oriented around their fame. Um the greatest thing you can do is develop a skill uh, in addition to your you know, athletic skills so that you can have a great career and ideally serve people and use that platform afterwards. Most of the guys today make enough money that if they, you know, 
invest it, they're not going to need to have a, a job for the money-making purpose. They can uh, serve youth or coach or grab a cause, go into ministry. Um, and I was blessed in that regard that when I left football, I knew I wanted to help kids. And the best way to do that was helping families. And the best way to do that is helping marriage. And one of the keys to doing that is helping men understand that their identity is as someone who is built for others. Your strength is to protect others, not yourself. Um, you're to be responsible for yourself and for your family. And that uh, commitment and secure love is an essential part of a man's definition. And we need to regain that if we want to strengthen families. So uh, pro football is a great platform, but using it for a way that helps other people's lives uh, is an awesome opportunity. Facing the Blitz. That's the book that former NFL quarterback Jeff Kemp has written. It's a good one. Do you have another book in you, Jeff? Well, there's a couple I'm thinking about. I don't know, you know not just for writing a book's sake, but uh, I, I give a talk quite frequently called Marriage, the Ultimate Team. Um, and I speak a lot about an investor and consumer mentality and how we can be relationship investors, bring up the value in other people rather than being takers because that always drains of that relationship. Um, so I can see maybe writing something about investors versus consumers in our families and relationships, encouraging men in marriage. I also probably uh, would love to write a book to men, just called Men Built for Others, about our identity. I think it's the key crisis the NFL and society is, great, is facing. Well, you've done a beautiful job with this one, Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs. Uh, Jeff Kemp, uh, the author of the book, and he's been our guest and I'm so delighted, uh, Jeff, that we can hook up here, and I'm glad things are going well for you. Pat, thank you. And, uh, you know, we, again, we can help people with some of the free resources at facingtheblitz.com. And if they have family needs, go to familylife.com. We'd love to serve them in the most important area of life. Jeff Kemp has been our guest. Uh, we've got a wrap-up right after this. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM. AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with us. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.